Welcome to Season 1, Episode 22 of Beyond the Zero. I'm your host Ben, joining me today is Elijah Moss. Elijah is an up-and-coming writer, and he joins us from his home in Rockwood, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Elijah. Uh, thank you again, Ben, for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. You've been kind enough to send me some of your work, and your writing is modernist and experimental, and it's highly unique. You incorporate footnotes and creative typesetting and all these visual elements. The closest comparison I can draw is some of the work of Louis Armand. Could you tell us a bit more about your writing? You know, that's what the sort of like one of my favorite things about having my having like something I've written, something I've created resonate with a new person because I, you know, I never heard of that author before, but like I'm going to check them out because every author I've ever been compared to, like even incidentally, I've like learned great, great heaps and deals in reading. Like, um, my personal uh, friend and longtime peer. Uh, Caleb McGee, uh, who's a, a teacher right now at a local community college, uh, he said he's compared Nephilim. I remember his thoughts was to uh, Dujon Barnes. Mm. And he also said that I had a what he, he thought was a remarkable use and unique use of, of what's a term called polyvocally. Uh, coined by a, a certain Soviet literary critic. You sent me pretty much a complete n- novella and what I would assume to be the start of quite a long novel. One thing that struck me about your work is your beautiful and complex prose, and it's especially striking someone so young. How old are you? I am uh, 27. I turned 28 uh, this upcoming January. Wow. One of the things that it reminded me of, especially recently, because some people are doing a group read of The Tunnel by William H. Gass, I am not doing the group read this time around because I've read it fairly recently. That was one of the books where, when I saw your work, just some of those elements of different narration and different text setting and things like that uh, really kind of resonated with people like Gass. And the way Gass writes and Gass uses a whole lot of different styles so I wanted to ask you, are there some authors who have kind of inspired your style? Well, yeah, you know, discovering gas this year has actually been the hugest educational uh, leap I've had as an author. Because I actually came across the tunnel by just checking out the audiobook uh, that's uploaded on YouTube. I think early, very early this year, while I was shopping for books, of course. And I just listened to him. I listened to him read read this book, and I the oral dimension of his work made me reconsider like how prose should 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 be composed, and made made me have a much more mellifluous view of it. Whereas I I'd previously been more like chained to traditional setup or stage work for prose and especially fiction, which made it very daunting. The two novellas you sent me that are kind of interlinked, 
Could you tell the audience a little bit more about them? So Lef was became unintentionally a novel, novella. It was actually originally an eight-page uh, comic sketch, basically a shit post that I wrote on Facebook. That part, the, the, the meat van, very first meat van sketch, that's essentially the same as it was when I just jotted it out out of boredom. Left yeah. was more of an exercise as me as an author to see where as an author does my voice carry me on the theming and what I have to say beyond just style, beyond just like having something pretty pretty or impressive to look at. And um, I'm I'm impressed I'm in, I'm impressed by it. I I tried to write a novella many years ago. Um, I found I consider it much more underwhelming than what left ended up being by pure happenstance. Twenty seven thousand words, seventy nine pages drafted over three months. I, I guess it's like philosophical horror, philosophical postmodern horror. Hmm. Yeah, I was trying to find a, I think like a lot of people, and I think like humans in general, I tend to want to categorize things. And this was probably one of the hardest things I've had to try and <laughs> categorize. And maybe that's why it's so fun, because it's probably not categorizable. Um, and the uh, Equide Lemonese, do you want to tell us a bit about that one? That is the second of two stories that or a tribute, of course, to Eric Basso, the uh, late and great cult, experimental cult horror author. Um, Eric Basso is an author, again, I came across my uh, my very my very stu studious and often resourceful uh, best friend, Caleb. Uh, he lended me a copy of The Bird Doctor, which was that novella and like three other short stories, which, a recurring character is a personage that may or may not be, be this horse demigod who's the ruler of this underworld, but it could just be this this messed up creep and or not. Because why Basso's thing, especially um syntactically, is like messing with the vo the voice of the narrative. That that's a lot of where the typographical font, font experimentation was also influenced by for me. Thematically your work is really diverse and you feature aspects of mysticism, icon iconography, mythology, biblical themes. What themes inspire you creatively? Exploitation. You know, since we're talking about life, I, I think I think like exploitation, the concern as um of the art of the artist where he's where they're situated as a role to facilitate um the things they absorb in their milieu things that they project onto their milieu and things that they will dictate as truth or as a similitude of truth. One of the things that I asked you about via email was was what your background was, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, um, I might have had, I've had one published work, a uh, limited run in maybe 2016. That was um, some older poetry and some prose that I'd mostly dismissed as juvenilia because I just find it not to represent like the same, uh, the same themes or the same preoccupations, the same level, just level of work I, I do. 
basically. And with your with your work, like at the moment, it's not published. Where do you see it, and where would you like to go with it? I mean, I mean, I would I would like it to be published by, of course, like a publisher that feels, you know, it it would be at home, being featured. Um, it's kind of hard to readily market, like you say something like mine because like experimental writing can you know be a catch-all for many different connotative uh like expectations for, for a person um i know that experimental writing for for american audiences at least always has a disparaging uh, connotation and even like experimental writers i've noticed like uh, ben marcus have uh, gone out their way to distance themselves. And I, I find that really disappointing because Amer in America, I feel like our experimental, our OVRs of experimental offers is rich. With the Nephilim, I assume you're planning to turn into a full length novel, is that right? It, it is, it's undergoing like composition and just research. I've just been trying to take it slow because I got a lot of progress done since this summer. And so when do you think that might be finished? It's just a matter of, of assembling it because of the rough outlines there. I get, I guess if I really wanted to, it could be done by early spring. You're so careful with the way you use words and your sentences. There's a lot of literary devices within, you know, a small space of text with you. you use a lot of alliteration a lot of really poetic language so i'm sure it will take you quite a lot of time to to draft things into and it seems like you'd probably go back and change really small things in a in a sentence at a sentence it, level it's also the, for, the formatting of the paragraphs especially mm. with um the uh, footnote the footnote feature william h gas had a book called willie masters lonesome wife in which he almost like uses the text as illustration and I thought with your work, in a way, you do that quite a bit as well. I've, I've heard so much about that. I, I really want to check out that novella. I think mm. I saw a, a screenshot of it and it had like this wonderfully warped like spiral column of text. Yeah. Almost like the text was writhing and I was just like, oh my, mm. that's, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think some of the artistry of that book is in the typesetting and the way he's set those things up in such a way that the text really does at, at more of a you know graphical level really set up what he's trying to say and and it just it adds so much to to that writing and the way that story works see that's why i feel like gas is like the ultimate er heirloom to the shandian satirical tradition because um, mm. you think about like the typographical format experiments, which is coming from one of the earliest novels, uh, yeah. apparent in Tristan Shandy, and it's very, very apparent in one page of William Gass, where it's almost like a shale textured sort of page, and there's like an embossed like face indented almost against the page. That's very, very uncannily similar to uh, a similar type page in Tristan Shanty's first volume. We'll take a quick break here on Beyond the Zero. We're speaking with Elijah Moss. This episode is sponsored by Litburger. This week's specials, the Norman Mailer, Ishae Patty on Rye with Kosher Pickles, comes with a free steak knife. Mmm, delicious. Or try the Jonathan Franzen, plain white bread with no filling. How about the Wellbeck? A bottle of red wine and a packet of fags. No burger included. 
check out the full menu at libburger.com. Please note the J.K. Rowling Burger has been cancelled. We're back on Beyond the Zero. We're speaking with Elijah Moss. Let's move on to you as a reader. And this is kind of, I think this is going to be a loaded question for you because I know the fact that you're a precocious reader and you're someone who has a house full of books and prints. <laughs> so, how much I read. <laughs> <laughs> so was there a gateway book or books, more appropriately for you, um, books that opened up the world of literature and really sent you down this path because i feel like you've been on this path for a very long time i'd say the earliest book is flowers of evil by charles baudelaire wow i got that when i was maybe in ninth grade at an alternative uh school that i was staying in in nashville i also read of course fear and love in las vegas but i feel like the hallmarks of like what what i see i am now I'd say go back to that book, that that sense of the unknown, the petulant calling me as if it can be manifest, it can be articulated, and it was fought to be quashed. Let's move on to what you're currently reading and what you recently enjoyed and you're looking forward to. I just read, finished reading JR today. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, (laughs) it's a big book it's a really big book um i heard about jr like maybe year maybe years ago when i started getting pension first yeah and i think i first tried to read it um when i was like 18 19 senior year of high school around the same time i first tried to read and obviously my my um my focus was a bit more scattered addict during the time just because but i just read i started reading after i finished my second reading of Get Gravity's Rainbow, uh, I think late last year. I just yeah. decided to pick that one next. I think I finished it in less time than Gravity's Rainbow, but I feel like I read a bigger book because there's no there's no chapter stops. No. It's very dense, isn't it? But it's it's also like it's marvelous. It's mm. it's I'm almost dumbfounded. Yeah, because he, in a way, like has the complexity of like a Dostoevsky symbolist novel, mm. but he arranges it in like non-diegetic vignettes that bleed into each other. Yeah, it is. I read that quite a few years ago now, but the the dialogue and the um, the sharpness of that book is just so striking. It is the character Jr. Is yeah. It's um unbelievable that novel. Do you remember what happens to Jr. in the ending? He gets he gets trapped inside a fuck a modern art That's right. like That's right. brutal brutalist <laughs> brutalist death trap, and he's surrounded by like legal complications, and then like mm. movements starting on the sheer ideological publicity. It's like movements for movement for art mandibles. Right. What else have you read recently or you're looking forward to? Halfway Through America by Kafka. It's been a real hoot. Yeah. I read Nightwood a couple okay. of ago. Yeah. And so did you see any similarities with your writing? I do. I do. But like um, my friend made a really good point when we were talking about this a few weeks ago. That like I think the big difference between Barnes and me is that um, she she's what's called a denotative okay. writer. In her signification, like, and I think that's sort of in the modernist, like, school in general, whereas, like, he said, 
even though like this is kind of a very ambiguous different like difference mm-hmm. because I'm more connotative. Like in Nephilim, for example, like there's a te- there's a tone of like arc cajolery, mm-hmm. however pitched and hellish it is. Um, I picked up two Gunter Grass books mm-hmm. for like five bucks altogether the other day. Yeah. I've opened the first page of the flounder and you know I've read some I, I love some strange stuff, but this is probably the weird one of the weirdest damn opening paragraphs I've ever ever had. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be written by human consciousness. What what's it about? I haven't read that one. You might you might you mind if I indulge you for a second? Yeah, no, go for it. Like like the first month, the third breast. I, bound through the ages, have been I, and Isabel, too, has been from the beginning. I remember our first quarrel toward the end of the Neolithic, some 2,000 years before the incarnation of our Lord, when myths were beginning to distinguish between raw food, cooked food. Interesting. That's the beginning of the novel? Yeah, it's, and um, I've almost been stumped by it because I've just never, I've never encountered something so damn, so damn odd. Have you read Gunter Grass before? I'm a big fan of uh, the film adaptation of the Tim Drum. Yeah, it's just it's just like one of the best dark comedies I've ever I've ever seen because yeah. it's just it's almost too unbearable. Mm. That was just... my problem with the book. I found the book quite unbearable to read. I think it's it's almost like comedy or satire on a level that that I was uncomfortable with. I feel like the film the film almost is is dead on in doing that because um, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but like. You, you know that's not a film that's not a film that like i really recommend a lot of people to watch yeah despite like my having a favorable view of it like it's it's like in sweet movie territory mm. yeah there's a there's a disturbing element to, to stuff like that I, I don't know how to pinpoint it but i find it somewhat disturbing i think and and for me like believe it or not i try to be conscientious about that while composing i sometimes ask myself like am i being am i going too far am i like indulging like a sodian burst or authorial control by having these these moments of cruelty yeah and, and i have to ask myself these questions sometimes but then i have to realize like yeah but i don't think i would ever go to the links that sick fuck sod would do we go because mm. it's literally like knowing sod like you're you're tainted in a way but at yeah. the same time you're also like you know like you're not you're not going you're not going to to do a laundry list of that is there any other books you're reading or looking forward to looking forward to robert coover's the universal bet baseball association ah okay i like coover I do too. I picked up Prick Sands and Death Cans earlier this year and um, beautifully composed short stuff. Mm, yeah, he's very interesting. I think he's quite, um, he goes under the radar a little bit because he, there's so much of his work out there. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm actually shocked how much novels he's written. I first mm. found out about him because he wrote the introduction to uh, an omnibus by John Hawks, I have. Yeah. Three of his novels. And um, there's a term he uses for Hawks. Which Hawks is like my one top like top favorite authors. Yeah, I've probably said said before that he calls it demonic artificery, mm. or demonic sympathy. 
Okay. I think I think that's actually right on the point when we're talking about evil. We're talking yeah. about like that exploration of like interior interior headspaces. We'll see what Kuva comes up with next. I read his most recent book, which is not really a so much a book, um, but it's a it's illustrated by Art Spiegelman, and it's basically the size of a postage stamp. Um, <laughs> still making books. Yeah, he's still around. I heard him interviewed on Bookworm uh, not that long ago. I'm just going to grab his book just to show you because I think it's cool. Just give me one second. So it's called Street Cop, but it's, um, yeah, it's a tiny little book. Oh, it's like and, a zine. Yeah, it's just, I'm not sure if you can see the size of it relative to anything else, but it's a tiny thing. And um, it's actually really fun. So it's kind of set in this weird alternate future. But Art Spiegelman, like of mouse fame, does all these great illustrations in it. So it's um, one of those ones where when I heard about it, I picked it up straight away. And it's a bit expensive for a tiny thing, but it was very well worth the money. That, that is so cool. Um, I, let me show you this Robert Coover book I picked up from uh, McKay's in Knoxville the other day. Yeah. Talking about like his graphic presentation. Um, Robert Coover at night at the movies, or yeah, you must remember this. And it's formatted as if it's like an old timey matinee. Oh, wow. With uh, an adventure, a comedy, and a romance. And it has like little interstitial bits. Yeah. Like, like the old. No, such an interesting author. I like Robert Coover a lot. I've got um, one of the things on my shelf to read that I'm not going to get to this year is the, so the, the Brunus Day of Wrath, which is the, um, like the sequel to the original, uh, Origin of the Brunists. Yeah. I, it's, it's quite a thick book. It's a, it's a decent size. So it's, uh, comes in at thousand pages. So yeah. <laughs> it just, it just shocks me because like everything I've read by him shows him to like have this mastery over like the condensed prose for yeah well this is one of those ones he wrote fairly recently i think he wrote it about uh four or five years ago and um i've been looking forward to reading it for ages sorry 2014 he wrote it but um it's something that i love the the brunist the origin of the brunists and so i'm really looking forward to reading this because it's uh yeah what happens in that town straight after and um yeah when i get around to it when i have a spare thousand pages um of time i will definitely be picking it up speaking of spare thousand pages like i was actually thinking today like what what like big big doorstopper book do i want to read next and mm. i was putting this off until i finished jr and it's like infinite jest or giles goat boy interesting so i've got um Infinite Jest I've read a couple of times, and now I seem to listen to the audiobook rather a lot. But um, Giles Goatboy, I started reading this year, and I, it's, the beginning is fantastic. And then I don't know why, but I just felt compelled to just put it down for a while. And I haven't picked it back up again, but that's a, it's so funny. Like the beginning of it is, I think I read about 200 pages of it. I, re I, read, the, I read the first 150 pages like early in college. Yeah. It, it, it definitely... <laughs> the school of proctology was a, was a bomb. <laughs> it's just so funny. I can't remember why I put it down, 
but it was just one of those books where I think I wanted to spend more time and read it all in once because I tend to end up in a situation where I read multiple things at, at a time. And if those things are average, that's fine. But if those things are stuff that I really want to put my head into and, and really concentrate on, then I, I tend to want to just read that and nothing else. So I will get back to it. I usually try to like approach new authors with lighter short fiction first. Mm, yeah. And usually that like gives me good faith whether or not, you know, I want to stick around this long. We'll take a quick break here and come back with Elijah's top 10. Happy cows make the best tasting beef. We make our cows extra tasty by feeding them the highest quality pure Californian wheat. Check us out at highsteaks.com. We're back on Beyond the Zero. It's time to hear Elijah's top 10. Okay, um, I'm not going to do it by like ascending order or anything, but I want to say right off the bat, um, JR is in that list. Yeah. It's a book I'm going to have to study from now here on out for years to come. Mm-hmm. I have the audiobook, so Omen Setter's Luck. Also, you know, one of the funniest books ever. Like, you don't have many books where uh, you talk about the bean, the devils and the beans. Yeah. Um, Ravi's Rainbow, of course. Uh, two, two Hawks novels. I'm going to say The Cannibal and Second Skin. Okay. Uh, the Erasers by Elaine Rope Roulette, Nightwood, uh, Justine by the Marquis de Sade, uh, The Margins of Philosophy by Derdia, Flowers of Evil by Charles Baudelaire, and I'll give a special mention to the Cerebus graphic novel volumes High Society and Church and State. With Pinchon, like obviously, you know, this show is named after a section of Gravity's Rainbow, but with, on, with his other work, um, what have you found gratifying or interesting? Oh, the Crying Lot Forty Nine is one of the best no, best short novels ever. Mm. It, yeah, it's it's so it's so excellent because it shows how much of his ideas he can fit in like 160 pages. Yeah, great great book. I should probably wrap it up with you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks again. I, I've really loved this talk, and it's been a pleasure meeting you. Thanks once again to Elijah Moss. Check out the show notes for all the details. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at BeyondZeroPod, and you can email us at BeyondTheZeroPod at gmail.com. We'll be back next week.